You are listening to 101.5 EMFM. This is 393, the radio program of Studio 393, a satellite of graffiti art programming in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. What we do at Studio 393 is we are dropping for youth that revolves around the arts, workshops in beat making, recording, uh, visual arts, dance, radio, podcasting, amongst other things. You can catch us Monday to Friday, 4 to 8 p.m. This radio show is on every Wednesday, 11 p.m. on 101.5 EMFM. This episode caters, it will be revolving around interviews with Leonard Sumner, Anishinaabe MC, country singer, folk composer, whatever storyteller extraordinaire from Little Saskatchewan, award winner as well. Uh, second part will feature Boogie the Beat, producer, uh, DJ. They will be playing this weekend in Winnipeg, part of the Sakehiwe Festival, uh, which will also feature acts such as Kelly Frazier, uh, Bear Witness, uh, amongst others. Uh, so it's a big deal. So check out, if you can, online any information that you can find. Uh, Please do that uh, Equal and T-Rhyme Which we've been playing on the show Are also going to be uh, One of the acts That are going to be playing So without further ado This is Leonard Summer Coming up With an interview It's non-linear It gets into issues Of being where you're from uh, and How to do that When in terms of Being indigenous And uh, the complicated systems That have arrived Because of colonialism Okay Uh What's your name? My name is Leonard Sumner. For me, Standing Rock, like, I had a lot of mixed emotions being there. And um, because, you know, like, it's like all of this, like, the whole the whole slogan is Miniwichoni is like the Dakota water is life, right? But then when you, like, walked around the camp, uh, you saw, like, just big stacks of water bottles everywhere, you know, like plastic yeah. bottle w- bottled water. Heck yeah. Like, big piles of it. And I was like, man, there's like a river right there. You know what I mean? Like, okay, is that is the river that bad that you can't really drink from the river anymore? And like, but then like also seeing like the community of it that like people were just, if you needed water, it was right there for you. But also it was from a plastic bottle. You know, like there was little things like that that kind of like made me trip out a little bit in my mind. Like throw you off. Yeah, it threw me off because I was just like, well, also because of the BPA and the plastic, like if the sun shines long enough on this these water bottles and you're going to spoil the water anyway so like why not just have one or a couple bases where you can get water it, but it was all like it all came together like, like back in the old days uh during the late what 70s to 80s where they had uh spring water and most other reses that had either a peninsula or an island nearby or a lake a river um probably about maybe a few clicks out um the lakes they well, if you look at the spring. reserve system yeah. like the native people that th- the land that we're on now uh, for a lot of first nations people is uh, a lot of traditional homeland so like people that had trap lines along the ways but like our highways were the were the water man like the water was a highway you know what i mean like so uh places where there's lots of water were like highly desirable 
but that also meant like living near like the Mushkeg, you know what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. I've always and I've some of them even cover like uh, the old trails, right? And uh, most of the hunting preserves, hunting trails. Yeah. Places where uh, people would go by and put down grease to memorize the path. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard mm-hmm. that. But that's that's like yeah. There's a lot of trails. I just went through a trail near uh, Arburg um, with a friend of mine. They his uh, his family, his girlfriend's family, or his wife's family owns land. And there's this trail that we went walking through. That's like apparently like maybe hundreds of years old, if not older. And like they never like uh, they never uh, chop. They never cut the grass on the path. They never like. But if you go there, it's like it's still like maintained like this has been a path that's, you know what I mean? It's been like beaten into the ground enough that like even the earth remembers like this is a path for people. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of weird to like walk through this place that because if you just cut a a swath through the bush like next year, it's going to be covered over if you don't use it every, you know, like like quite frequently. It's just going to be grow over quite immediately. But like there's this like old path that's just like been there forever and like or forever how long it's been there but it's been long enough that like stuff just doesn't even grow on it anymore you know it's kind of it's cool in that sense but it's also like it makes you wonder like about the things that have grown over you know what i mean yeah i like the way you talk about these things uh it really makes me think and feel exactly what you're talking about um makes me wonder how much have i missed growing up and looking around you know how much have i gone through and not seen these things or not heard about these things until you start speaking about it where did you grow up i grew up near uh long plains um grew up near roseau and even buffalo point yeah yeah so okay just around those areas i went to other reservations swan lake um let's see i've been near Peguas. Where do you call home though? Like for most of your life? Um, most of my life would be Buffalo Point. Buffalo Point? Yeah, okay. I've been to Buffalo Point too and that's like uh, dual ci- dual citizenship uh, yes. First Nation, right? Yeah. And then John uh, Thunder? Some do, some do. The John Thunder hereditary uh, chief that's yeah, a white the, guy. <laughs> that's what he likes to call himself. Um, it's pretty funny though how he got that. The whole system about well, chiefs didn't really exist until you know, colonization started coming around. Mm-hmm. And even then, we did have leaders, but most of our leaders were the women. Mm-hmm. So that kind of just, like, breaks and makes me... <laughs> um, oh, no. Um, it affects you uh, to this yeah, day, something aff- from that long ago. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I was kind of going off on a story. I believe that when, when uh, Buffalo Point was becoming a First Nation... There was uh, John Thunder's grandfather was a, an Anishinaabeg man. And then he, uh, there was no road to their community or something like no. that. <laughs> and then so they, but he, as when he was chief, he, he like uh, adopted like a, a white son, I believe. And, yeah. then, and then, but he like, there was a story about how he rented or how he got oh, yeah. uh, we, the we local got town to give him uh to give him equipment to build a road to the community so they could have access to the rest of the world. And that if I'm remembering it right, man, I heard this story probably like seven or eight years ago, but, uh, they, they, he said that he would give up like a big section of quarter of their land 
if they if they just gave him the equipment and they gave him a timeline to build this road and like a timeline that he could never do but then he managed to do it so then he like he he built the road and he like yeah that actually took a yeah it was a weird it was a weird thing of like how but then john he adopted uh his john thunder's dad i think but i'm anyway like he he's hereditary through the grandfather who was anishinaabeg and um but i have been to i have been to uh to buffalo point i have been on the golf course i had a broken leg when i was there uh so i couldn't golf and I'm, i kind of suck at golf anyway but uh i have been to the community and i did i did notice there was some resistance from local community but i also noticed that some people were for him which is like just i think a power dynamic you know what i mean yeah, if there's you're only on the like side. about maybe five to seven family members that are out there like uh five families all small like about 12 to six uh individuals in each family you know yeah i hate to use like the indian act system but like that's the reserve that that you have status under um like you have a I status card I b- yes, yes okay so what 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 band does is, is your is your, is your name registered under your family name and all that do you remember? Cobinus. Um, um, it's registered under um, Long Plains. Long Plains. Oh, okay. But you, you do have well, every Yeah, well. Yeah, no, um, it's complicated, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, if I really wanted to go back, I could probably get a lot of money for that, but I ain't about that. I just want to get back into um, stating where my family comes from. You know, I got family buried out there and everything. Yeah. And not only that, when uh, they were building the bistro, yeah they supposedly found human remains underneath that place and they decided to uh bring it over to our family and mm. our family decided to bring it over to our part of the island where mm. we put the remains by my grandfather's tree that's you know? cool yeah this reminds and, uh, me of uh down the street here we got the uh, human rights canadian museum of I, I i call it the canadian museum of human wrongs <laughs> right on <laughs> but uh you know I was, I was making fun of it they have a uh, picture they have a video i think that people always say like oh i seen you had a video over there and i was like oh yeah that's right i gave permission to a video company they said oh we want to use your your image on this like big video screen i was like all right go ahead and then i, I knew it was at the human rights museum but i was just like uh, it would be good to see like Anishinaabeg people inside there so I'm gonna like kind of like look past some of like the shady like business that went on to create the building in the first place which uh, you know like the the story is that they found re- human yeah. remains and bones but even um, that itself would actually take a very dark toll not mm-hmm. only on uh, the ones who can I speak about it but, uh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think it has to do about that man but there's, there's a lot of things that can extend further than what we know or what we think we can know or believe you know what i mean like spiritual these young guys probably can attest like when you meet somebody uh anywhere like and then you meet another native person for a moment the first is like where are you from you know what i mean like that's the first thing always like where are you from like that matters more than your name <laughs> matters like more than what you do for a living is like where are you from man you know like so so like asking like where you're from sometimes for young people is very complicated you know what i mean because like it's hard it's hard to say like you know like just for your for this raven story you know what i mean like like it's hard to say well like well long plain but also uh buffalo 
Buffalo Point, but also like I spent some time in this area. You know, like it's it's hard, and and especially now like with the fractured uh, family uh, structures from CFS, mm-hmm. like young people growing up not knowing if they're Cree, not knowing if they're Anishinaabeg, not knowing if they're Dakota, not knowing if they're Black. So that's how that's how complicated it can be. Is like, well, where are you from? Well. My family, you know, it, you could have said my family's from Southern Alberta and I'm Blackfoot, but I grew up in uh, Long Plain because of these three reasons. You know what I mean? Like, so like it's hot. It's so it's becoming a, a more complex question to ask people like, where are you from? You know what I mean? Like, but it definitely is like one of the things within like my, my generation is like a very important thing. Like, oh, where are you from? You know what I mean? Because that, that tells you like, you know. Sometimes whether that's your cousin or like sometimes whether that's like, you know, whatever, however they, they're going to interact, you're going to act with these people sometimes determines from where you're from. What do you go by as a, as a stage name? I used to go by Lorenzo as really? a stage name. Yeah, it was just Lorenzo. Uh, if you ever listen to Streets Lorenzo? FM back in the day, Lorenzo was like, I'm going to say one of the hottest names in Winnipeg <laughs> rap uh back in like 2012 or 2011 but uh yeah i use my real name for my music now it's all under leonard sumner and um i often uh talk about uh, identity and i speak about identity as uh beyond beyond what i am as just a name like i always say uh introduce myself in the language because i think this will be beneficial for young people listening I always say, Bujon Denaway Magana Duk, Leonard Sumner, the indigenous Kaj Kagish, Kikamagak, and Duin Gina Shinabe, and they go. And that's like almost a proper way to introduce yourself right. in Ojibwe or in the or Soto, uh, depending on, you know, mm. who's uh, listening. But um, so what I would say when uh, young people, because a lot of things come up about identity, right? Like, who are you? Where are you from? Uh, what do you do? You know, and like when you introduce yourself, when you learn how to introduce yourself in the language uh, formally, you're telling people immediately, like uh, when you say that means uh, like greeting everybody as family right away. Like you're you're ex- you're extending your your greeting as family. So you we're we are kin when I say that, when I greet you in that way. And then you say your name. Typically, if you have uh, what people call a spirit name, uh, which you get through ceremony, um, they'll they'll say that, and that will have meaning behind it. I don't have my I don't have my spirit name, so I always just say Leonard Sumner, named Indigenous Cash, and that's uh, that just that's what people call me. You know what I mean? And then Kagishka Kamagak and Dunji means I come from a place where there's uh, cliffs or where there's a crack in the earth is what it translates to. And then I've also heard an elder say that in Dunji means from where my, uh, or, or uh, in the Dotem, you would also say your claim in Dotem. I don't have my clan, but in Dotem is from, uh, from where my, hother, my mother's heart beats mm-hmm. is uh, uh, what uh, the translation is in uh, Ojibwe. But, and then so in, in Dunji is just like where you come from. So when you say those, when you introduce yourself in the language, you identify where you're from. You greet everybody as an extension, as a relative. Um, 
you tell everybody the land that you come from yeah. and you tell everybody your name if you include your clan and your spirit name then that also in, 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 in includes your purpose so like when when young people are always talking about identity uh they're always seeking purpose or like what am i supposed to do or what am i you know what i mean like when you when you introduce yourself in the language when you learn how to do that you're saying all those things already so like how could you never not know who you are if you can identify yourself in the language you know what i mean have you been doing any shows around winnipeg lately what did or i do you I, I, played a, I played a i played a show i, I just got Where? okay so yeah, okay. the last show i did in winnipeg was uh, november 27th it was at the victoria inn it was for a group of uh, young people that are in uh, in, in cfs in the child family protection uh services and i played a show there and then the next show i did in winnipeg i think the next one is that i'm doing is uh festival du voyager on louis riel day which is monday the 18th nice yeah nice. um how old did you start music to this day uh i started writing music probably when i was about 14 Okay. Started writing a lot of hip hop rap verses. Yeah. How do you I'm like this uh, new hip hop days? I don't really like a lot of the new hip hop, but I think it's generational. Generational. Uh, yeah, like because I don't get down mm, with the style. Yeah. I don't get down with like the right. f like uh, colorful hair and mm. like spi <laughs> like spiky. Like yeah. it reminds me of like um, <laughs> like uh, the metal, like or not metal, uh, the punks. Like it's like a black punk scene now. Yeah. And it's it's cool, like you know, like I don't, it's just not something that I would do. You know what I mean? I'm a little more casual, but um, I really liked gangster rap when I was younger, and I liked you know like yeah. all of that stuff. So I get it. You know what I mean? Like something to identify with, to you know. So if sort of young people out there that do like it, it's not it's not it's not them. It's me. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Have you been talking to, speaking to kids like about like going to like programs and selling people and no, no, not really, just music. I like I do some yeah. workshops and stuff like that occasionally, yeah. but like I feel like music is something that you have to figure out on your own. True, because I never had a a music teacher or I taught myself how to do everything, you know, like or I learned from the best people. You know, if you want to look at it that way, because I was studying Biggie and Tupac and all of that, you know, Big Al, uh, all of these lyricists, uh, I was studying them when I was listening to them. And as I was discovering my own voice, like for music, like if I would have, uh, you know, went to school for that, I feel like I would have just got lost and more confused than anything else. So being able to like be with yourself and, and think about the, the message that you want to uh give give to the world like it's uh i don't like program is is good for a place if you don't yeah. have your own recording equipment or if you don't have the know-how to do that but as far as finding your voice as an artist i feel like that takes a lot of like uh self uh exploration like going to the depths of your own mind and then and like seeing what you can come up with creatively and it it does require like borrowing bits and pieces from other people and until you can really tone tune your tune your voice to okay. the stories that you want to tell they always say um the uh, a good writer 
uh, writes, and the best writer is Steel. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. How'd you feel like every time when you like doing what you're doing these days? How'd you? What keeps you moving? Well, like, now now it's like I've released two albums independently, and yeah. it's been a challenge to. Do you have any uh, songs out on a? Sorry, uh, do you have any like SoundCloud or Spotify? Uh, I have SoundCloud, yeah. uh, and all my music is on Spotify and Apple Music. Okay, uh, but yeah, like. Uh, I've been doing a lot of like writing, like uh, I've written a lot of like country music because I grew up in the under res and like growing up under res, you listen to a lot of country music. And then like when the, when the time came, like rap infiltrated the young people. It's just like, then you listen to a lot of rap. So uh, you guys are probably too young to remember burning CDs, but I used to have like CDs with like Hank Williams uh, senior and then Tupac and, you know, like CCR all on one CD. And that was like very common for like, like you know for the res it's like we listen to a little bit of everything but um i guess just um finding new ways to like stay in love with music you know is is like one of the things that drives me now because you can get you can plateau and you can get bored with it and if you don't find ways to stay creative or uh inspired then you know it can all become very monotonous and it's easy to fall out of love with the thing that you love so much once you start to get bored with it so i just want to i just you know i want to keep the the fire going you know and creatively it's difficult sometimes because i feel like i've written a lot of the anger out of myself you know like the like the the art has been a such a good therapy that i'm not as much as an angry person anymore but it also could be coming with age you know like a uh, hip-hop is like and rap especially is i feel like a young man's genre a young person's genre and uh yeah it's hard to like if i was start gonna start like you know dyeing my hair and like pink and purple dreads and wearing spikes and stuff like i don't i wouldn't be happy with myself and then like the the scene would spot me out as a fraud immediately <laughs> so <laughs> you know you kind of have to like stay in your lane you know if you would also explore you know, like it's weird it's just like the double-edged sword if you weren't doing music what do you think you'd be doing if i wasn't doing music i uh, would probably be working on the my reserve little saskatchewan first nation uh within the education system uh or i might be in involved in like uh, indigenous politics of some sort uh, because those are things that like I was kind of interested before music I was interested in that stuff but um, I'm not too sure it's hard to say because I've been in music now for the past probably 10 years professionally and uh, like I didn't think I'd go the places that I've gone and I didn't think I'd be able to make a living doing it so if I was if it wasn't for music I'd still be probably making music and playing music and singing but uh I'm not sure where I'd be career-wise. When you're uh, writing lyrics and you get like uh, stumped or whatever, um, what helps you to like get past that point? There's like different. There's different ways of getting past that point. 
sometimes you have to uh, push yourself past it. Like you have to really force yourself to continue to keep on f- just sitting there for hours trying to finish that next line, that next uh, sentence. Yeah. Sometimes you have to just push and push and push. Sometimes you have to just like take yourself, remove yourself from, from the room and then like kind of, uh, you know, allow yourself to, you know, go make yourself something to eat or, or go have some water or, you know, have a coffee and, and step away. And, and sometimes, you know, like it, it's sometimes you have to know when to step away and sometimes you have to know when to push harder. And it depends on your approach. I think everybody has a different way of doing it. But I find like settling for less is like never the right way because like, you know, whether you're going to push through, you could push through with something that's crappy or else you could, you know, and you could st- or you could you could step away and find something that's crafty. You know what I mean? So like there's different ways to do it, but uh, never settling for less is like, you know, like always comparing yourself to the gold standard of your favorite artist or MC, like, and like wondering, you know, we've all had songs that we heard from our favorite artists that are like, man, they kind of, I think they just need, I think they just wanted to not be in the studio for, or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely. And, and then taking the time once you're, you're done, once you feel like you're done, I know it's like a painting. It's never really done. Uh, taking the time to like reflect on your lyrics and uh, taking the time to keep yourself accountable to your lyrics. So like make sure that the things you're saying are are things that that you want to uh, project into the world about yourself, you know, because it's easy to like fake it. You know, it's easy to like think of some slick shit and then like, you know, like that's not really how you're living, you know, but yeah. So uh when I get stuck, sometimes I step away. Sometimes I just sit there for hours and, and try and find the next words. Yeah. What was your most ex- um, most memorable experience uh, in the music industry? In 2000, okay, so, so this might not be the most memorable because I'm not sure what year it happened, but I think it was 2014. <laughs> 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 I can't remember the date, but I remember the the moment. So I just, I just uh, the MTS Center is where this this way here, right? This yeah, to my left. We're on we're for people that don't know, we're above Portage and Portage Avenue right now, in a walkway next to Staples and the Bay. Uh, so I was at the MTS Center and I won an award at the Aboriginal People's Choice Music Awards, uh, and uh, the award was Best New Artist and. Uh, it was funny because I'd been around for about five years at that point. So like a lot of people in Winnipeg had supported me and knew me, but like the industry of uh, music decided that I was the best new artist that year. So it was kind of just one of those things where I was like, I'll take it, man. You know, so I went up, <laughs> going to give me an award. I'll, I'll take it, man. So I went up, I uh, accepted the award. And then um, later that night, there was a, a showcase at the pyramid. Um, that had a bunch of the winners from the the night so there was a big after party and there was a room full of people and then all, i had a concert there and i was supposed to play with just me and my acoustic guitar but uh there was a band on stage before me that were just like hey man we'll jump in with you we'll just you just play a few chords and then we'll 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 do this we'll we'll know the song we'll know what to do 
So I said, all right. I went. I jumped up on stage with a band that I'd never met, I never played with, and they locked into every single song. And then at, I don't even remember their names. I don't remember like who they are. I don't remember anything of that. But I remember they knew. They just. It was like we'd rehearsed a hundred times. They were just like on point. And there was this one point where I had this song uh, called Tears in Time, and I was singing this song, and I, I was playing. And just because of the glory of the night, you know, like everybody's energy, everybody was so happy and everybody was so proud. And uh, I was singing the song Tears in Time. And there was a moment where I couldn't hear my guitar and I couldn't hear my voice because the whole room was singing the lyrics back to me. And every time I talk about it, I get a chill down my spine. And I always say, like, man, if I if that was the end of my career that night, I would have I would have been happy with it. You know, what I mean, everything is just extra after that. But uh, that was, that felt so good because the community, it was Winnipeg. I just won an award. Everybody was there to see the show. And then, like, it was just, like, one of those magic moments that, like, I don't care if you – I bet you it feels better than winning the lottery. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's That was my most – like, one of my most memorable. I would I would say it, it probably that's – the, that's the number one. That's the number one. Do you feel like you can top it? I'm not sure. I don't know if I can. I've done some cool shit, man. Like I played <laughs> the Sydney Opera House. Like yeah. I've, uh, I've like I've played Fort Albany. You know, like up on up on the res, like in places that like. Uh, and a lot of times, like there's there was I played a res gig in Wabakwe in northern Ontario, flying community. You can't really get there without an airplane, essentially. And they're having this festival called the Nibin uh, Nibin Summer Festival. Nibin means summer in, Oji- in Ojibwe or Ojikri. And they're having this festival. And like I, I was there with uh, my bandmates, uh, uh, Matt Foster and Julian uh, Bradford. And there we we did this show. And like after I did the show, it was like they were like very well received. It was like very it was dope. But like when I got off stage, I realized like the incredible kind of bizarreness of this moment because it was in the middle of the res underneath this like giant tent and then like there was like everybody from the community was there and they had different bands going on local bands and like there was all sorts of these different activities going on there was a res dog like hanging on hanging out under the stage and nobody cared there was like there was like six little kids sitting on the stage while the band was playing like little kids like three four years old sitting on the stage and then like they had a contest about like who could dress up as the best cowboy and then so like they had this band and then there was like kookums there in their big skirts and they're like you know like and they're like dancing and having a good time and it was just like one of the like 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 you couldn't write this I, I said to my friends while we were there i said like if you presented this as, as a play at as, as a play at fringe fest nobody would believe that it happened <laughs> and i'm like that's like right up there with for me with like uh, playing the sydney opera house yeah. that's like right up there the same ex- <laughs> like i feel like in the middle of the bush on the res everybody's just having a good time and like like those are the moments too that like you know that people that just see the flash of the of this are they're gonna miss those moments if you know if if they just if they if they don't pay attention to like the beauty that happens outside of the city too you know yeah that's true that's true all right well we want to thank you leonard for uh being out on the show yeah for sure uh we'd love to have you any other time too Uh, yeah tasha sends her uh, love and she sent you guys some cookies 
uh, snack them. Seven <laughs> uh, Eleven awesome. cookies. <laughs> so yeah, man, it was a pleasure. Thank right. you. Thank you. Uh, so you're listening to uh, 101.5 UMFM. This is 393. Thanks for tuning in. Catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and UMFM website. Thank you.
joined by Boogie the Beat, Winnipeg DJ and producer who's recently been doing lots of collaborations with Canadian artists. He also has multiple projects coming out this year and he will also be throwing a party in June, was it? June 20th, yeah. June 20th, word. Uh, so I definitely want to get into um, all that uh, stuff that you got coming up. You're a, you're a busy man, but uh, before that, um, how are you, man? I'm great. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. It's, yeah. it's uh, great to be back in this beautiful space, Studio 393. So, yeah. Dope. Thank you so much for coming, man. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to get into a couple things about um, your your introduction into being a, a musician, just first off. Like, what sparked the the music in your life initially? The musical career? Yeah. The path? Um, 
essentially it just started in high school. I enrolled in this program called RecTech. Um, they taught us how to make beats on an old Apple computer along Dope. with some MIDI programming. And nice. that was that. I Sick. mean, you know, a couple of my classmates who I'm still friends with now and still make music together. Um, that's essentially just where it started. And then here we are today. Dope. So it's, it started off like that. And I imagine it was a, like over time, do you think the motivation and the the drive or the purpose behind it is, has shifted at all, like from starting off in, in high school and stuff and how you see it now? Absolutely. I mean, back then it was just for fun. It was just trying to be creative and, and you know, find our voice and express ourselves, mm -hmm. right? And now, you know, some 15 years later, um, it's we have kids now we have bills to pay you yeah. know we're trying to make a run at this a career out of this mm -hmm. so i mean um you know throughout that whole time it, it has changed for me a lot you mm -hmm. know from just having fun when we were kids to you know trying to put a record out and trying to leave a mark and a legacy um, for future generations not just indigenous kids but you know other creative beings to mm -hmm. to follow in our path dope so um you're a producer and a DJ. Um, you, you started producing? I just, yeah. Well, not producing. Um, a lot of people get beat, beat, beat makers and producers mixed up, right, right? Right. Beat makers is just that person making a beat, but a mm -hmm. producer is someone who essentially sees the song from start to finish and mm -hmm. has a vision for it. So, um, I've only just started being a real producer, maybe two years ago okay a year and a half ago and the whole I, time leading up to that was dj stuff was just dj stuff was just selling beats just making beats and, and trying to make a buck off it or trying to get placements here and there right? right not actually being in the studio with artists and bands and and um trying to bring their vision of the song or the project to life right i'm glad you brought up um placements because i did want to also ask about how you got into um the, the sync stuff and how that started and how prevalent that is with you now. Yeah, um, I mean, it started when I started putting out Pow Wow Step Records, which is, you know, just a mix of Pow Wow music with electronic music or rap music. Um, I didn't go out looking for it, it kind of found me. You know, I get emails from time to time saying, we like to use your track for this TV episode, or can you make a track for this app that we're doing? Um, and I didn't know at the time that there was a lot of different revenue streams, mm -hmm. you know, rather than just selling beats or just doing um, gigs as a DJ, right? Because when you come into it, it's, you know, it's not really about the money, but at the same time, it kind of is. Yeah. Because um, we have to, you know, buy food and keep ourselves right. alive, right? And our kids, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, um, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, do, you know, multiple contracts with, with different media companies. And in that sense, you know, it's been fun. I haven't even put out an official project yet. People just go on my SoundCloud and say, you know, how much do you want for this track, for this project? Done. You know, I get mm -hmm. a check in the mail. So, right. yeah, it's been cool. Dope. So you you don't ever, like, go out of your way for, like... If you have a, a, a beat, you don't want like. No, I haven't. I haven't yet. Wow. So I mean, yeah. In that in that way, it's been it's been uh, I've been blessed. So that's dope. Yeah. So I know that you sell a lot of beats, and a lot of the people you work with are like mm, uh, Mob Bounce, Nod Nose Res Kids, 
uh, you've worked with two men, right? Uh, just wondering, like, all those people have such, like, a positive message or something that they're trying to say. Did you find that when you were selling beats that you, like, you can control who, like, rapped over what on top of a beat? Yeah, when I was selling rap beats and hip-hop beats, and I still do, you know, that's still one of my revenue streams, right, as a, as a beat maker. Um, you know, honestly, half the time I don't really know what happens to the beat it could be you know someone from like say vancouver or something who buys the beat and puts it on a project that you know might never even come out at all um so most of the time you know I, a beat is gone um once you know they buy the exclusive rights or they lease it and things like that so um but there is, you know, a few times where I'm working closely with the artists and who I do believe in their vision, right? And I want, you know, them to send me back what they, what they put into it. Because in that sense, they, you know, they kind of reached out to me, you know, to get one of my beats, right? So I kind of want to show that same love and that same, you know, creativity to be like, okay, you came to me for a beat, let's see what you do with it, you know, and, you know, I'm honest at times, right? I can be like, you know, that that track is whack, you know? <laughs> or it could use this and that, you know? Um, and that's the thing with a lot of rap and hip-hop music, you know, taking constructive criticism, there's a lot of ego involved, right? It's all about, you know, um, rapping about, you know, jewelry and things like that and how much money you have, right? <laughs> so a lot of these rappers have a big ego and they won't, you know, they'll take it as sort of like, um, oh, you don't like me, you don't like my music, then, you know, whatever. So, I mean, there's, there's, it's all over the place when it comes to selling beats or selling beats online as a, as a beat maker. So you, you're more of a producer now. How was producing, were you executive producing or solely producing the Mob Bounce record? How did well, that go about? Um, they kind of came to me with this uh, idea of an EP because um, we had worked previously together on this track called Vision Quest. Um, and at the time, we haven't even met each other. I just found their record on SoundCloud. I downloaded it and I did my own remix to it and I put it out. Um, and turns out that they loved it. And they flew me out to Vancouver to actually produce, you know, from start to finish this record. Um, essentially how that worked is Travis, uh, one half of Mob Bounce, made like just the skeleton beats, right? But I would come in and kind of rework them, kind of add stuff to it. And then once that was done, we'd record their vocals. And then after that, we'd bring in, you know, this this drummer to just add that live aspect to it. Um, but in that sense, that was kind of my first, you know, EP or project that I had a hand in from start to finish to, you know, I had a voice in to say, oh, let's take that out. Let's try this, you know, and actually had this amazing studio at our disposal to work out of um, and this amazing engineer, too. So it was, it was a really great experience. So uh, tell me about this, uh, this party, man. Um, yeah, well, we only threw one. It's called um, in Ojibwe, Genakamo Enanun, which translates to our songs in um, English. Um, and I just kind of had this idea of, you know, creating this safe space with, you know, indigenous and non-indigenous artists. Um, 
DJs, musicians to kind of come together and celebrate almost this kind of reclaiming of space, you know, and reclaiming of sounds. Um, because a lot of the music that I put out um, does, you know, it it uses powwow music and it uses a lot of indigenous percussion. And I just thought, hey, you know, why don't we just throw this party? And I didn't think, you know, people would really come come out to it. But we like our first party had Toolman from a tribe called Red. Um, I booked Sebastian Gaskin, who's another amazing Winnipeg artist. And, you know, people came out and, and we packed the place. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm trying to throw a couple a year, maybe just to get it going. So and we just kind of confirmed our second date today um, on June 20th. Dope. It'll be in conjunction with Jazz Fest. So it'll be kind of the official after party on June 20th. And um, we have Snotty Nose Res Kids confirmed. Um, that's pretty much all the details I can share right now until we confirm, you know, more artists and DJs and things like that. But it'll be at uh, the King's Head Pub June 20th. Come out and party. Dope. So, so you work with Mob Bounce. You got your booking a show with uh, Snot Nose Res Kids. Are these some of the names that appear up on the EP that you're dropping soon? Absolutely. Um, Snotty Nose Res Kids was on my first single that I dropped uh, called The Sage is on Fire. Um, who else we got on there? We got Mob Bounce, Res Kids, um, T Rhyme and Equal, um, another great you know duo. Um, we also have Fawn Wood, another amazing indigenous female uh, singer. Um, we have a powwow group called Young Spirit Singers that I took some samples from. So shout out to Canon Records for helping me throughout, throughout that process. We got Jerezus. Um We got uh, PJ Vegas, um, who's the son of Pat Vegas, who's a singer and founder of Redbone. So we got him on there. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else. There's a, there's a whole slew of like amazing people who came together on this project, right? Just to just to show love for my first EP. Um, you know, they didn't really want anything in return, just to just to be on the project. So I'm super stoked about that. Well, what was it like developing this EP? Did you have a goal in mind of an EP, and you just like spent like while like hassling people for verses or stuff, or did it just happen naturally and organically? Um, at first. I thought it was going to be just an instrumental album, but, you know, I kind of, you know, played with the idea of having maybe one or two features on there. And then word of mouth just happened. It was like, hey, can I get on that project? Can I get on that project? I'm like, sure. OK. Um, so I kind of made like six or seven, probably eight beats, just like just rough ideas that had a lot of powwow step in it had a lot of like um Moombaton, you know and soca vibes and things like that and you know people actually started sending vocals in and i'm like okay well if we're gonna have you know some vocalists and artists on it let's let's get um whoever's down and um yeah i mean i got all the vocals in except for one session but after that it goes into you know mixing and mastering and then you know, we'll figure out the artwork and marketing and things like that um, and distribution. So, yeah, it's definitely coming out this year, probably late summer, or early fall. Once again, you are listening to 101.5 UMFM. We are sitting here with Boogie the Beat. Hey, man, um, have you, uh, I was curious, because you do so many collaborations with 
different artists. Um, and when people with with creatives, I know that people tend to everyone has their own little way that they they go about what they do. Um, have you found like a like a particular way that you tend to go about the collaboration, like workflow and process, or does it entirely vary depending on who you're with? Uh, it depends on project to project. Like for this project, I did all the production by myself at home in my home studio, and I'll finish the mixing and mastering by myself um, in my home studio, right? Because a lot of these people are, you know, located across Canada. So mm -hmm. they'll get in the studio and they'll send me the stems or just the vocals in that way. And I feel like, for me, for this first project anyway, um, it's very much kind of a solo effort besides, you know, the artists lending their voices and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's cool because they kind of gave me free reign to pick apart or, you know, cut stuff or anything like that. So in that sense, I have, you know most of the creative control to, to figure things out. And I'm still figuring things out as I go. Sometimes I'll mix a song down five or six times and I'll listen to it a thousand times mm. and then I'll come out with another mix, right? Yeah. I mean, at that point, you know, you just gotta kind of step back and say, okay, the project is finished, you know, let's move on to the next step, mm -hmm. right? Um, the fun stuff is over, <laughs> let's, you know, get into the business side and start and start putting it out that way, yeah. All right, so this has been 393. We've been sitting down with Boogie the Beat on uh, 101.5 UMFM. Thanks for uh, being here, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for talking to us. It's been dope. Peace. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? You've been listening to UMFM 101.5. I've been your host, Kenneth Castillo, alongside host Osani Balkran and Josh. Right now, our last segment of the show, the amazing Boogie the Beat. Boogie. Let's kick it.
creation, we were put here on this sacred Mother Earth to serve a purpose. The purpose is to honor the Earth. The purpose is to protect the Earth. The Earth. The Earth. The purpose is to live in balance with the Earth. The Earth is our mother. We must take care of the Earth. with the earth the earth is our mother we must take care of the earth
bother No one's gonna bother I don't wanna break ya I just wanna show ya She said Something, something she like Don't wanna press, but it's alright Doing too much, she wanted my life Nothing else but Bonnie and Clyde We were just friends, now you're my side What can I do, put a smile under the light Got my day, feeling so bright Got me gone, we're reaching the skies Words to my mother, ain't gonna lie Never got a feeling, so I'm kinda vibe So we have Uh...